Hello everybody and welcome to the Cana Rince Podcast, Volume 4, Issue 191. You can play along with Cana Rince Volume 4 if you play the following games in short-ish order. The Secret of Monkey Island, then Halo Reach, after that a little bit of Thomas Was Alone, and then Comic Zone from the Mega Drive, or Genesis. And after that it's Threes, the popular puzzler. Head to canarince.com for the full schedule, the blog, and as ever we say, links to our forum, our Facebook page, and our YouTube channel. And please remember to check out our shop, our merchandise stall, where you can pick up cool Cana Rince t-shirts and practical yet cool over-the-shoulder bags while supporting the podcast. Please also remember to check out our video games music podcast, the increasingly popular and well-renowned Sound of Play. As always, I say it, but please do review and rate us on uh, things like iTunes. It's very helpful, but most importantly, download every podcast we do, even if you don't want to listen to it. Thank you. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, Darren Gargett. Hey, ho ho. That's that sounds like your intro to a rare type of podcast. <laughs> Played a lot of them. Carl Moon. Hey guys. CJ Black. How you doing? He's back from the Twin Humanities and related things. Now this is going to be uh, a long one, a spiralling one, a bit of a rabbit hole, but uh, but also hopefully uh, an enjoyable, passionate, and nostalgic one as we talk about sensible soccer and sensible world of soccer and we'll even dally a little bit with its uh, with its later spin-offs and sequels but uh, i think the majority of our affections will lie uh, in the first five years of the franchise's existence so the story goes um that uh this this is a quote from this wonderful book which uh, i'm going to quote from a couple of times uh it's called sensible software 1986 to 1989 it's written by gary penn the uh, veteran games journalist of uh, zap 64 renown um also worked in several uh software houses and various other things it's available from read only memory for 25 pounds and it's a beautiful tome and it traces sensible software all the way back uh uh, from parallax on the Commodore 64 and Wizborn, things like that, through the shoot 'em up construction kit, and uh, all the way up to uh, their later stuff, such as Cannon Fodder 2 and Sensible Golf, and even the cancelled Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll. Uh, it's a wonderful book. It's mostly told in um, sort of uh, vox pop, talking head style. Um, every page is an interview. It's a very easy read, and they're very entertaining, entertaining fellows. So uh, this is a quote actually from Tony Beckwith, who worked for Mirasoft, who Sensible had worked with quite a bit up to this point. But uh, of course, that was soon to end with Robert Maxwell disappearing off the side of a yacht. He said, I was in the Sensible offices one morning and Jops, that's John Hare, of course, was doodling away on D-Paint. He'd taken the little megalomania character sprites and drawn football kits on them. I'm not even a football fan, but as soon as Jop showed me the mock-ups, we both burst out laughing and it was instantly a this game has to be made moment. It really was that simple. Greenlit there and then. Uh, So yes, megalomania was um, sensible software's typically irreverent and sort of stripped down take on the uh, sort of bullfrog um, God Sim, I suppose, uh, type game. Uh, it was an interesting uh, attempt at that in its own right, although I remember finding it mightily confusing. Mm. Um, very, very confusing. <laughs> um, but it, it, it reviewed well, but rather tanked at, at retail due to uh, aforementioned drowning. Um, but a top-down soccer game, of course, uh, wasn't a new idea in itself. Um, we'd had, well, uh, you can really trace it back all the way to Pong um, as soon as they started adding extra bats to Pong and calling it soccer or uh, hockey. 
Um, from there, we went on to things like Taycan World Cup. Taycan, of course, became Tecmo, who we now know for uh, pneumatic, uh, smooth-skinned women. Um, and, of course, Sensible themselves, uh, they had previously made a top-down football game in 1988 called Micropro Soccer. And, uh, and that one, I played a lot. Um, with with my friend Simon, who had a Commodore 64, I didn't. Um, and it was one of the first games I remember that had aftertouch. It may have been the first that actually had um, controllable aftertouch, i.e. you could bend the ball after you'd kicked it. And in fact, you could, uh, I think you, it had a power setting, so you could turn the aftertouch up to ridiculous levels so that you could kick banana shots so strong that they actually curled round back on themselves, uh, which is possible with certain kind of ball in certain conditions, but it's not something you, are, even even the likes of Ronaldo would struggle. Um, and then, of course, in 1989, possibly inspired somewhat by Micro Soccer, we had the original kickoff by uh, Dino Dini and Steve Screech. That was followed by Kickoff 2, which was something of a phenomenon. Um, and that pretty much ruled the roost along with its uh, counterpart game player manager uh, for a good couple of years until Sensible Soccer European Champions came out. Now, I think that this game came out some time... I, I, have, I look, tried to look up the month, um, and I read somewhere December, but that can't have been right, because there was already a second version of it by the summer of 92, when the European Championships happened. Uh, where were the 92 European... Was it Sweden 92? I think it might have been. Um, but I remember buying this on day one. I was already excited. I think I'd already played a cover disc, and I remember that I was concerned because the goalkeepers in the cover disc were inept and even these tiny little demo games were ending up with ludicrous scores. And unfortunately, people talk about games coming out being, uh, you know, unplayable or broken or bugged these days. It's, it's such a modern thing. It really wasn't. My first copy of Sensible Soccer was one of the most disappointing purchases I've ever made. <laughs> my friend Neil came round. He was my... Uh, my football gaming buddy we've been playing uh emlyn hughes international soccer what uh, a game. Back, back on yeah back on the commodore 64 um for a couple of years we'd moved on to kickoff and kickoff 2 on the amiga and this was going to be our next football game you know the hype was there the, the feel of the passing and everything was magnificent in the demo we were just thinking well they've just got to correct correct these uh these really sloppy keepers and our first session was just heartbreaking every game was like eight six seven five twelve eleven and any football fan will know that like maybe as maybe if you're a non-football person you might think well what's wrong with that it sounds great but it was awful it was horrible it was just ruinous it was like playing basketball every shot was a goal pretty much and that was the case until they released a patch but um so yeah, my I I think this is something that's probably been lost in in history. But did anyone else buy that first version? Yeah, I bought it, but I, I can't. I I was looking down the show notes and I saw um, there were there were tweets for the later ones with the yellow and red cards. And I was like, oh yeah, there were. But yeah. I, I I the the version that stays in my mind is is definitely the um, the, the version with the the management stuff that glued onto it. Um, you know that that version sort of. Uh, became kind of special but the um the early stuff i just remember lots of sitting next to sort of a friend and and, and battling through loads of little leagues and stuff and um but i i don't i don't remember the the goal fest the original but i did buy it day one i didn't buy it um i had my uncle who acquired a version of it 
mm-hmm. um, as was the way. But it, it it was like I remember there was a little bit of excitement around it, mainly because obviously football was kind of a big deal. It was ninety two, as you mentioned, the European Championships had happened, and I, at this point I was very into my kickoff too. Um, if I was at the arcade, we actually did have a taken World Cup unit, the old the, the top down with the rollerball, yeah. um, mm-hmm. which was always fun. Um, and and if I was playing at the Amiga because I I got an Amiga in what nineteen eighty eight eighty nine, um, so I was very heavily into uh, kickoff kickoff two at the time. Uh, so Sensi sort of didn't really um, take on with the with the very first release, and it was a bit like oh well, this isn't that good sort of thing. When I would play with my uncle, as I say, I was only eight years old at the time, but I was just getting into my football. I'd, you know, I'd started getting into it in, in 1990. Um, the World Cup was obviously a big thing uh, in Italy. And then by 92, I remember 92 was when I started to get really into football. Denmark won the European Championships, and I started to try to learn all the players because they all had all these strange names like Schmeichel. Um, and... Uh, that so it, it was kind of important. So I was trying to get as many football games uh, played at this point, but I remember being bitterly disappointed and just going back and playing Kick Off Two uh, when I, when I played the original Sensi Soccer. Hmm. Darren, I assume you. Uh, I, I believe you were a console sensible man. I'm, I'm struggling to remember exactly how I first came in contact with Sensible Soccer, but I can almost guarantee it was because I was probably brotherly bullied into it because they wanted someone to play against, and I was the only person around. It kind of happened with every football game in the 90s. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, who's around? I'll get Darren to play. He'll play with me. He likes video games. And, you know, I was just there just playing whatever I was told to play, like World Cup Italian 90. Um, I remember... I, you know, I do like football, and I liked it more back then. But I was never—if I was to choose from a game, you know, of games, it wouldn't be a football game. But you know, if a mate wanted to play it, I'd be player two. And in World Cup Italian '90, we found that if you scored an own goal, it counts as your own goal. So that was that game ruined. And then we just moved on from game to game to game. And but sensible soccer stuck. And I remember it kind of uh, the the two main versions in my mind are the big black box from DOS or Amiga. I can't really remember. But mm. then also the Mega Drive version with the stamp on it. I remember that version. I think it's the International Edition. That version being like the cream of the crop for me. I, I remember going into Choices Rentals over and over and over again to rent that. And if I couldn't find the Sensible Soccer front cover, that football with the foot on it. Excuse me if I sound like a football idiot because that's what I am. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I like football. I'm not massively mad into it, uh, but you know, I recently saw a game at Wembley and thought it was good. It was alright. You know, it was just me running around. But some football games really take to me. And uh, Sensible Soccer definitely started something. That yeah, I, yeah, so that, uh, we're cutting slightly ahead there in the sense that Sensible Soccer 92-93 was the first version that came out on anything other than computers. So the first version was Amiga ST and uh, DOS, which was a conversion by Wave Software. And it was the 92-93 version that was was re-released on uh it was a kind of a re-release on Amiga and ST or a reboxed version um but it also came out on the SNES and the Mega Drive as well as Game Boy, Jaguar, Mega CD, Game Gear, Master System, Archimedes and that already by that point they'd already uh incorporated the red and yellow cards that weren't in the very first version um and uh and with those improved keepers so coming back to my experience with that first edition me and my friend neil went back to kickoff after that came out because we were we were pretty disappointed but even though uh what what would have happened these days was uh probably a day one patch or 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 a week one patch 
um, this did get an update, a title update, like like in the modern world. Um, it took, I can't remember how long, it was only a matter of weeks or, or months to arrive. Um, and it was, it was the 1.1 update. And what you could do is you could uh, send off your, because uh, it was a two-disc game, uh, like uh, one of them was, you know, sort of data and one of them was the actual game program. You could send off one of those discs, possibly the program disc and get a revised version so uh my my main footballing game friend neil was uh, coming down from university so i guess it must have been the summer holidays by this point and i'd sent off my discs i was currently without sensible soccer um but we used to play when before he went to university we used to play uh computer football games probably between two and five maybe five is too much, two and four nights a week for sort of four hours at a time. We played leagues and leagues and leagues and leagues of Emlyn and kickoff uh, and kickoff two. So this was a pretty major thing for us. This was how we used to hang out, listening to football, occasionally turning off the game to watch highlights of actual matches and so on. So uh, because I hadn't received my disc back in the post, which did eventually arrive, I thought I'm going to have to go and buy a copy of the improved version and... Here it is. Here is the original uh, 1992 vintage copy that I went and bought. There's the two floppy disks. It's in pretty good condition. Um, and it's still in its very large box, as you can hear. Um, and that was the one. The we, we fired it up and we were overjoyed because the keepers had been wildly improved. Uh, they tipped the ball around the post now. They didn't just flop over everything you half-interestedly punted towards them. They could catch the ball. Um, in the first version, anything you put anywhere outside of their their immediate sphere of influence just flew in the net. It was just mm. ridiculous. But these these upgrades were absolutely essential. And we never looked back. We never went back to kick off again. We played this probably for the next three years until um, I moved on to ISS on the SNES. Mm. Um, and, you know, obviously going through several versions, including Sensible World of Soccer. Mm-hmm. I remember spending £60 of my birthday money on ISS Deluxe for the Super Nintendo. And, yes. Uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely, the, for me, the follow-on game from Sensible Soccer, because that game had some lasting power. Yeah, I, I absolutely adored that game, but maybe that's for another time. Hmm. Uh, so... Another version came out. The, this this game was doing well by this point, and it was the sort of game that you could uh, you could update the stats, put in another box, call it something else. In this case, uh, Sensible Soccer International Edition in 1993, and uh, re-release it for some of the formats um, that it came out for for before. Um, and uh, this was the one that added the on-screen refs. We didn't even have on-screen refs at first. Can you imagine that? <laughs> How disappointing um, that famous image of of the little tiny ref holding up the card, uh, and you can you can almost see the disappointment etched on their little faces. So before we move on to sensible world of soccer, let's just have a general reminisce about uh, about our sensible soccer memories. CJ, uh, I know you're a big uh, you're a big football fan. Manchester City for your sins. Oh, it can't be that painful these days. Um, but. What 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 was your what was your sensory experience? Was it mostly single player, lots of multiplayer? Did you do all the editing? And what was it about the game that captured your imagination? I don't know. I mean, uh, sort of football and imagination have always sort of been pretty closely linked for me. 
Um, I mean, I, as as you intimated there, I've been a been a footy fan as long as I can remember. I, I went to watch uh, used to go see Notts County with my dad, Manchester United with my uncle Michael, and Manchester City with my uncle Peter. Uh, both Manchester uncles would go and watch the other's team on a Saturday when their chosen team wasn't playing, uh, purely because watching a match was just a great end to the week for them. Um, this was this was way before sort of Sky Sports and stuff, but it just was the way it was. There was definitely banter between both uncles, but they knew one another's teams inside out. Um, eventually, my folks fell into a pretty vicious divorce, and I'd spend more and more time in Manchester. Just football became uh, my favourite distraction, uh, and City became my team. And I'd say it was purely down to my red uncle joining the RAF, but I'm pretty sure my blue uncle used to always spring for a pie and a pop at half time. <laughs> I think that's pretty much sealed the deal. Um, Which wasn't as much then as it would be now. No, definitely not now. Um, I'd have morning paper hours purely so I could dash out straight after school and play football until darkness threatened. Uh, play in my garden, even even changing tops to represent sort of playing home and away and stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... Uh, that red uncle I mentioned gave me my first Sabutio set, and that became a real obsession. Um, oh yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I think for me, sensible and, and video game soccer in general was was the next step after the mid eighties. I was mad on Sabutio at the same yeah, time yeah. as playing Mexico eighty six in the arcades. But but sensible soccer was the one that felt like Sabutio on a computer. There was a Sabutio computer game, by the way. It was really weird. But uh, this this made more sense to me. Sorry, CJ. No, no, no. I mean, uh, with Sabutio, I used to play that uh, pretty obsessively, and uh, I didn't have a fancy stadium like the posh lad across the road, no. whose whose who's, whose dad was a model railway enthusiast and just mm. built this oh. this stadium around that they could God. put on the uh, on the dining table. So jealous. Uh, so for me, it was a case of smoothing out the pitch on the carpet, and yeah. I suppose the bumps and sways reflected the pitches at the time anyway. But, <laughs> yeah, Old Trafford um, did used to be a mud field, so that's, <laughs> that's you know. I, I knelt on far too many players, um, applying glue and trying to position them against my annuals to leap back from the treatment table, but most returned with a with a slight lean backwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and that lad across like the road... Yeah, that, that lad across the road never did beat me at Sabutio either. So, uh, yeah. But when computer games arrived, there was a succession of uh, international soccer, match day two, Emlins, Micropro Soccer, um, ST and Amiga brought obsessions with kickoff, kickoff two, play manager and goal. And then Sensi was a, a, a natural fit, I guess. Um, while it wasn't the technical 200 miles per hour turbojet of the kickoff games and goal, uh, I was already playing Micropro Soccer alongside those two. Um, and everything I'd seen about Sensi up until launch sort of screamed something and adored to pieces. Uh, I used to play the, the original with my mate Jeff. We used to go around his house, and he was one of those people where, despite me being really successful at Sabutio, Jeff had mastered running down a wing and crossing a ball for a header, or on Sensi, managing to bend a ball right around everything so he could get a header and he used to just yeah. flat out batter me but that didn't really matter because we were just you know it was I think his his room was was far far too warm in the middle of summer but we were you know just drinking loads of orange pop and uh having lots of banter about football and taking each other on and then off your yeah. faces on tartrazine I was a bit older so <laughs> I was uh, we used to we used to pass around Benson and Hedges <laughs> that was our that was our snack for uh, for long sessions of PGA Tour golf and sensible soccer fags hence my uh, Amiga went very yellow 
But yes, it's um, when the the management editions of of Sensi came out that that became a very very solitary thing for me. Um, I've I've I must admit, hand on heart, I've always commented on football games like back back from that those Sabutio days. I'd be like, "That's a beautiful pass down the wing," and here we go. And all my teams <laughs> always used to play better when I when I applied the commentary anyway. Um, and I'd even do things like um, I'd have my list of players. And after a match, I'd mark them down as to how well I thought they played oh, yes. during the game. Absolutely. And then, and then when it came to uh, to transfers and stuff, there might have been players that, on the face of it, I'm, I, I might have thought weren't having a great uh, a great year. But I'd look down the stats and I'd, I'd put these into like ring binders and stuff. What kind of kid puts things in stats into ring binders? Well, the kind that but, grows up to be a computer games podcaster. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I loved it. And even when the the, um, the PC version came along, which seemed uh, much faster than the Amiga version, but it had mm. the commentary by Jonathan Pierce. Uh, I'd I completely co- forgotten that, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd co-commentate with him. And what I loved about that version as well was... <laughs> what I loved about that version as well was um, rather than having these sort of boring Martin Tyler, Alan Smith commentaries that we've got now, it, there were all these sort of sarcastic... Um, cliched barbs that he'd come up with and it's like oh it's just lick the side of the post or uh, it was and I, I, it just made me giggle but I would uh, I would sort of chime in with that sort of stuff all oh, the time yes. and yeah. I yeah. just became more and more obsessed with it um, I mean sorry I, I'm rattling on now but there was there was something about taking over a fourth division club like Taking over Brighton, I think they were they were in the fourth. On, we were, on, on yeah. This stuff. I mean, the ninety six ninety seven version, as 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 I'm, I've been playing recently on Xbox mm. three sixty. That is, you know, the worst ever Brighton of Albion squad <laughs> because that was the year we we only survived going out the entire league by a last day draw at Hereford. I mean, it really is the biggest challenge is playing as Brighton in ninety six ninety seven. But yeah, it was it was fun to sort of take over. Uh, club and then look down your players. I'd always go for the um, the players that I'd side with with always the ones with the speed stat in there. Uh, I'd stick everybody else on the transfer list, and then I mean I don't know if it's if it's still the most extensive list of players around the world for a playable video game. But there was something. I would think so. There was something really wonderful about having that fourth division team and sort of. Getting a little bit of money in from the for the transfers, and then finding a gem in like the Japanese second division, yeah. who you could then put up front. And even if you'd not quite got the players to play the way you wanted, you could long ball it <laughs> up to that guy. And if you got say like a, um, a finishing speed and uh, shot power, control uh, is quite handy as well, so the ball doesn't run away from your feet as you turn. Now you see, I'd, I'd say control would come later on in that and the control would be the striker behind the main striker because mm. that would be the guy who would put his foot on it who would either lay it off to the wings and control it for the main guy to run on and hoof it. But everyone can part. That's the, the, the thing I never really understood about the passing stat in Sensible World of Soccer is the fact that like one of the key things that Sensi brought in that Kickoff didn't have was the sort of almost arcade-style automatic finds a player passing which made things a lot feel a lot more controllable but that worked whoever you were um it didn't seem to you know it didn't seem to be off if you if you were a mm. player who couldn't really pass like I've, yeah. been, I've been playing recently with that brighton squad that i mentioned mm. most of those players are terrible but passing 
is still pinpoint you know when i when i need it to be um, yeah yeah I, I think maybe it controls the speed of pass slightly more than anything well, than, one thing uh, is the that, direction uh since he always played every animation on the frame um which which was massive at the time um which obviously at the time I wasn't completely aware, but it was very much more responsive than everything else. Yeah. So you know it was more responsive than we'd seen from Micropros from Kickoff or even Goal, which you know was was a game I played a lot in 1993. Mm. Um, but since he was always the one that was like it was instant. If you wanted to play that pass, it was gone. You know, and um, that that's sort of where that game shone. And it was only years down the line when I actually understood what was happening I that I realised that. that that frame animation is was absolutely key. It's great being the um, the brother that didn't understand football from a tactical <laughs> point of view. Right. Because like, I'd see my brothers, James and Ryan, that they'd get well into the uh, the tactical side and they were like, you know, changing all their formations and putting different players on. They'll still do it now, like when we play at Christmas and even recently we've been playing. And my, my, uh, Ryan and my brother would start changing all his tactics and I'd just press start and just go. But the great thing about sensible soccer, even back then, and even as me as a nine-year or ten-year-old child, it didn't really matter to me whether I was doing the tactics and the formations and getting well into that because I'd have a good time anyway win, lose or draw I'd yeah. come away thinking that was a good game of football but again, uh, yeah, good well, for, you know, the Mega Drive experience it, the Sensible Soccer had its own charm and visual style that appealed to me like I remember the loading screens or the pre-match screens there was one where it was like a grey screen with two guys tussling in front of each other and I was amazed by the fact that the t-shirts would change colour and it would just change the names at the bottom but then the Mega Drive version had two guys like like the, the, the kits would um, appear on the screen and the yeah, guys yeah. would wear in a minute of say versus you know Barcelona versus Juventus and it'd be yeah. nice bright and colourful and it'd be really visually appealing and then you get a really good game you know, a really good game play of football from a control point of view. I think that's why I carried on playing Sensible Soccer International Edition more than any sports games. There was loads in the Mega Drive days. I remember looking for my brother's catalogue of games and there was like Mutant League Hockey and there was RoboCod, like aquatic games with featuring James Pond and all these games in there. But every time we'd play the series of, you know, NHL, PA, PGA games. Sure, you played some EA hockey as well. That was magnificent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you broke that um, barrier on, on, in the ice hockey games, you're, you're a king <laughs> in the household. But yeah, um, you know, there were some other games like Fever Pitch Soccer as well, which, you know, being like boisterous, you know, lads, you, you would play the, the, the game where you would kick someone in the head and get a red card for it, but it'd be funny <laughs> yeah. because that's the, game, the way the game was. There's a and show to be done on all those weird uh, spin-off brutal football games mm. like red card soccer and yes. stuff like that. And to be, to be honest, I think Sensible Soccer fed my, my love for the arcade football games now. Like, I'm playing Sega Soccer Slam at the moment and Mario Charge Strikers, and I, I, I've, you know, I, I put the blame on Sensible Soccer for being really accessible if you want it to be, but really in-depth if you want it to be. And quite how they got that balance and appeased both markets was, you know, it was astounding. So I'm, I've never played the console versions of Sensible Soccer. I was, I've only ever played the Amiga versions and uh, and the 360 version. The thing that always intrigued me, that there were some neat touches, as you say, like that presentation splash screen that was obviously just, it was, it was a thing you could do from a cartridge. They obviously had a bit of spare ROM there and it meant no loading times, which you had on, on the computers to think about. That was cool. One thing I didn't like was the sort of slightly over-the-top um, arcade goal flash on screen because it took it out 
out took me out of the the moment i was cool with that sort of thing in the japanese arcade game but not in a in my serious home football game but the thing <laughs> i was always most interested in and i've been watching some footage and it looks like they're you know as you'd expect incredibly faithful generally both the snes and mega drive versions at least to the to the uh, amiga original um but didn't they immediately bring in a second button because one of the key things about sensible soccer is it's all on the one button. We used to play with Competition Pro joysticks, otherwise known or, or sometimes branded as zip sticks. Um, they had two buttons on them, but that was one for left hand and one for right handed, depending yeah. on how you held mm. your joystick. Uh, it was a one button game, absolutely. You, you you tapped it to pass it, you held it down to, to uh, pass it or shoot it, and uh, and beyond that, it was just after touch and moving the player. So, how did the whole multi button thing work on console? Hmm, again, like my my memories of old school sensible soccer are literally just me really enjoying it against my brothers control wise I couldn't really tell you whether it was more than one button I don't know if anyone else knows more than I sure it was Um, but yeah you know but even then like compared to FIFA International Soccer which was probably it was the FIFA game game, wasn't it on the Mega Drive like sensible soccer even if it was two buttons it felt instantly more approachable and likeable because it wasn't as many buttons as FIFA International Soccer like uh, you know I, I preferred the the way the pitch was aligned you know from you know being like a, a bird's eye view as opposed to the um you know the isometric oh, isometric view thank you very much and yeah just like i say everything about sensible soccer from a control point of view in terms of handling the characters it just even though sometimes like you spoke about earlier i, I we call it greasy feet in our family but even though you lose <laughs> the ball and go why did i lose the ball like it didn't really matter to me because i the the, the action's so fast and frantic but also like manageable frantic like you can easily lose the ball but get back on it straight away and not feel like the game's punished you for being rubbish like the, the pace of the game is so fast and it always has been and it is now that um yeah it's like, faster than i remember i have to mm. say even um like i played a bit of swass 96 97 when it first came out on the 360 in 2007 and um and it was you know as much as i remembered but coming back to it now again quite some years later um I thought, God, was it was it always this fast? So I went back. Was, and was the frame rate tweaked for the 360 version? It, yeah, I think I think the the 360 version speed wise was similar to the old PC, PC version because I, I remember yeah. the the Amiga version running much slower and being actually a much more tactical game. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when the when the PC version came out and it was just you were thundering up and down the, the yeah. pitches and stuff, I think in many ways. It brought a new challenge to it, but it also Made it more lost kick-off. a bit because I remember kick-off really line. struggling trying to get a team up through the uh, through the leagues on the Amiga version. Yeah, I think the, that that sort of uh, processor speed limitation that was on the Amiga and ST versions kind of informed the game a bit because I remember when we first moved from Kickoff to Sensible. Obviously, the view's much more zoomed out, which which was uh, it felt great at the time because it felt like you had more vision, you could construct yeah. moves better think more tactically as well as being able to you know tweak your uh your formation and and so on um but it also felt more measured it felt more like the pace of real game even though of course it's it's it but in real terms if you actually measured it it's you're moving at insane cheetah like speeds and diving headers uh you're sort of crossing 30 or 40 yards of the pitch or something (laughs) at times and it's absolutely not realistic in any way um apart from you know 
bless uh, Danny Blint and Robin Van Persie for recreating the classic sensible soccer goal in the World Cup uh, last year in 2014 uh, against Spain because that was just as soon as Blint hit that that crossfield ball and Van Persie uh, dive, di- did a diving lob yeah. header from 17 yards. He's just like, he's just scored the sensible soccer goal. And the thing is, it looked exactly as we all imagined it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, since, since he always left just the right amount to the imagination, uh, to, you know, it didn't really matter how it looked. We all imagined, you know, the, the shirts, the, the the animations of the players would, would mimic those that they were supposed to be in real life. Yeah. You know, if you, if you were gigs, oh, you had those dancing in feet in Sensi, of course he didn't he just ran straight just like everyone else but <laughs> yep. you know we, we always like to imagine it and uh, it, when I was playing Sensi it, I played the 92-93 version but I only really started to love it with the international edition and that was partly because in 1993 and, and just before I would I would go to a childminders on the morning before going to school um, and I always remember I, I used to get up you get washed, and it, this was really early, you know, six o'clock in the morning type thing. I'd pack my zip stick up in my bag because, <laughs> you know, you've got to be prepared if you're going to play someone at Sensi. Um, and we'd, I'd go down to, the, to this lad's house. He was the same age as me, so we'd have been nine years old. And, and I always remember this lad, he was called Jack Thompson, and he was really good at football. He was the best in the year by a mile, if not the year above him uh, as well. And if it was a really hot day, or a really warm morning, we we just we'd we'd leave the house and we'd go down round the back and there was a little field and we'd we'd play there until school. But this being the northeast of England, um, after we you know after the five days of genuine summer had expired, other than that we'd just be playing sensi soccer in in one of the spare bedrooms. And he had it on a PC and when, uh, not on the PC, but he had it on like a, a computer desk. He was the Amiga version. And when I played at home, I was always the one. I was sat in a bean bag, just loose, holding the joystick and playing that way. But no, they had seats and a desk. Oh, so yeah. the, the suckers, the suckers from the zip sticks, you know, slap, get that on the desk because you really need to be able to bend those shots when you're playing competitive. I was, I was a lap crate or a groin oh, cradler, you know. Yeah, that that was me at home. But well, when, when it, we got competitive, <laughs> it got competitive. Me and Jack Thompson, so. We'd slap the joysticks down, make sure they were firmly fixed to this desk, and oh, Sensi became the greatest game of desk shaker in the world. The oh, amount of times yeah. you get told off, banging off the wall, whoa, is he trying to get this extra whip on the shots and stuff? Um, and, and now you see, if you had a competition pro, half of it, half of it was holding that down because he yeah. didn't have the, uh, the 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 suckers. So um, some some models had suckers and yeah, some didn't. That's right. Mine, mine had the mine had the suckers, and uh, the, the amount of times that we you'd hear the shouting from downstairs or the back room, stop banging the wall, stop banging on the floor, and the whole desk is going as we're getting competitive. And it was always like I always used to play as either Lazio or. Um, by by the time it came round to sensible international soccer, internationally as mm-hmm. they like to call them on Channel mm-hmm. Four, um, because they were originally called Milan and uh, Milano, and, and that's right. Yeah. There was Milano and Milan, um, and when I was playing my uncle, he was always Glaswegian, <laughs> which always made me laugh. That Rangers, because I'm half Scottish and my Scottish side of my family are crazy Rangers fans, so they were always Glaswegian, and I would always pick whatever because I had this thing where if I didn't pick Man United, they could never lose, and by ninety two, ninety three. I was really starting to like my football for obvious reasons, but like I said, I started to get into it in 90. And by 93, I always preferred to play as either Lazio or Internazionale because they had the talented 
uh, Italian technical masters mm. on their team that, that could outdo whatever my opponent picked. Um, and, mm. and they were essentially my school day mornings. Every day was a competitive sensei game before school. Did yeah. the Amiga version have that music playing over the gameplay? The no. down, down, no. down, 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 because that, that was stuck one in the, my head. That was one of the next uh, differences I was going to mention, like watching footage of it online. Mm. Uh, I, I would have hated that. Uh, because again, like, football doesn't have music playing through it. I mean, even for me, post-goal music is the work of the devil. Uh, teams like Palace and, and Middlesbrough, uh, Middlesbrough, <laughs> who have post-goal music. If if the, if they ever bring in a Brighton, I will be protesting outside. Now, the I've ground. actually seen you say this before on Twitter, so I know it's I know it's a legit concern. <laughs> uh, I genuinely hate it. Um, the the sound of a goal should only be greeted by the roar of the crowd. Boop, in boop, my opinion, boop, boop. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just. T- Totally, totally cheesed up. But yeah, that dirt, 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 dirt. It's on loop and just, it's very short. Yeah. But I mean, I've heard it so yeah. much that when I was playing the 360 version, <laughs> I was singing it out loud, you know, drunkenly, <laughs> just, just to be yeah. annoying. But the fact that I could remember it after so many years of not playing it, like, I was just like, do you remember that old track, Ryan? He's like, no. And I just started singing it really loud. And I listened to it on YouTube earlier and I was spot on. Like, the fact yeah. I must have heard it for hours and hours. I don't loop. actually know if um, that was a Richard Joseph composition. Um, and I, I, I assume it was um, because I think they generally handled the the console versions themselves i'm not 100 percent sure um but uh richard joseph uh sadly uh, passed away in 2007 from cancer and um he you know he left an amazing legacy of work working with the bitmap brothers and uh and and sensible as well um on such things now goal scoring superstar hero uh, is perhaps more famous uh nowadays but back when sensible soccer first came out um the opening music which was uh well, for reasons we'll shortly discover, was ripped out of the console and subsequent versions um, to be replaced by another tune. It was actually provided by uh, former damned bass player Captain Sensible. Um, and here, just a little excerpt from the aforementioned book. John Hare says, We couldn't believe it. Captain Sensible, co-founder of punk rock band The Damned, approached us. He said, you've got the same name as me. I'd like to do the music for your game. <laughs> so we said, how much would it cost? He said, nothing, just a pint. So I drafted an agreement for him to sign, but of course he never signed it. He's a punk. So off he went and wrote us a song with Richard to make sure it got done properly. Anyway, three months after the game's release, we got a call from a music production company who said, we understand that you've been putting Camps in Sensible's music in your game. And we said, yeah, he gave it to us for a pint of beer. They said, yeah, well, he doesn't own his own music. We do. And we want 10% of all the money the game's made. And we said, that's ludicrous. It's only a piece of music. In the end, we paid him off 10 grand. We had no leg to stand on because Captain Sensible didn't sign this agreement. That was a lesson bitterly learned. We ripped the music out of the game immediately because it was meaningless after all that shit. Um, and I think that's a really interesting microcosmic story about the changing of the old computer game industry into the modern video games yeah. industry that that we now know. Back there, even in the early 90s, over 20 years ago, you're going from, well, we've got a tune, we'll just stick it in a game, no one will care. And I, I suppose this almost um, plays into the licensing as well, because one of the, of course, the major difference, the reason I never wanted the console versions of Sensible even beyond all the, the, the reasons of uh, annoying music, was the fact that 
it had all the wrong player names because they were concerned about rival licenses yeah. such as FIFA. So they had ro- rotated all the vowels and changed all the uh, first letters of the names. Whereas on the Amiga, you had all the real club and um, and player names from the off. And you can edit anything that was, uh, that was out of date and save it to a disc and you didn't have to worry about backup or anything like mm. that so this this was the real era wasn't it of games coming out of being developed in bedrooms to to suddenly becoming legitimate business mm. and i remember this distinctly in uh must have been 1996 the very start when worms came out on the um playstation and i always remember that that was developed in a bedroom and that was and it got newspaper uh, coverage that this successful game was developed by one person Andy in his bedroom yeah, yeah. Um, and in my mind, I was thinking, well, it was only five years ago that this wasn't out of, you know, it wasn't out of the ordinary. This, this is how games started, but that's how quickly it sort of happened. And, and the licensing on Sensi is a perfect example of that, where it starts in 92 and it's all, you know, let's, let's just put it out. Let's just deal with it. Oh, we've got some music. Great. That goes in. We've got real player names. And by 90, what, 3, 94, when it starts, uh, 92, the end of 92, 93, 94, when it's hitting the consoles suddenly it's a business rather than a hobby um and 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 licensing all comes into it and that i always remember that being really jarring and i didn't fully understand why but i was like well because my friend had the mega drive version of sensi and i was like these aren't the real names what's (laughs) going on you know this is this is bizarre um yeah and and that's essentially what it all comes to and as a you know sub 10 year old kid that was really jarring at the time, and it was it, it only came around, like I say, when when I read all the stories in the newspapers and magazines regarding Worms um, being mm. a bedroom development title, um, and, and how it was a one person job. The lack of real names kind of feeds back into what I was saying earlier about the tactics and you know all the all the minutiae of football, like the fact that the names weren't exactly a hundred percent, and even like during the Pro Evolution Golden Era, it never bothered me because the game played so well that. You know, it's Collie Moore's Collie Mira or something like that. It doesn't matter. Like, like, there's something weird in my head where I actually kind of, like, working it out. Who is it? Do you know what I mean? And um, just trying to, like, yeah. look, look at the yeah. faces and just try and wonder, oh, I wonder who that... Oh, it's Teddy Sheringham. And, you know, like, playing it recently on the 360, it was quite... Because like, this era of football was when I was actually kind of not forced into football, but, well, yeah, I was forced into football because my older brother, James... Uh, said, oh, I've got a mate called Darren who supports Watford. I reckon you should support Watford. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll do that. And then he <laughs> took me to a few games and the playoff final against Bolton and all that. And, you know, in retrospect, it was, it was a good time. Um, but, yeah, um, the, the way Sensible Soccer, the Mega Drive version, in my experience, handled its kind of, you know, lack of real names and stuff, it, it, it never really bothered me because, like I said before, you're always going to have a crack in time regardless. Tying, tying into uh, to something that, that Darren said earlier as well, um, I knew a lot of people who uh, loved sensible soccer that didn't like football. Um, perhaps Definitely, it was purely, yeah. purely down to having that yeah. same sense of resonance with sensible software that I had, but I think it was more them having adored Cannon Fodder and Megalomania or Whizball or however they graduated to it. Um, and we're just like, yeah, that looks like a good laugh. That's I know, it, I'll I, enjoy myself. I think that's some of it, but I think a lot of people, and John Hare attests to this in the book, There's, there were a lot of people who didn't even know who Sensible Soccer were, before, uh, Sensible Software were before Sensible Soccer. Uh, yes. They weren't really so aware of Whizball and, 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 and that. So um, I think it, like, I got into, I, or I... I started enjoying watching golf by playing leaderboard on, on the Atari in, in the mid-80s. I 
I understood American football from playing Madden and uh, baseball from hardball. And I could enjoy those games without caring about those sports. So even though I generally like a bit of sport, um, I do know that feeling of, uh, you know, there's it, it's happening again now with Rocket League. You get all these people who are saying, you know, this is a game that's uh, rather ingeniously been given away with PlayStation Plus recently. It's the sequel to a really obscure game that was given away with PS Plus a couple of years ago um, that nobody cared about and nobody played. But for some reason, Rocket League, which is basically football with remote controlled cars. You've got all these massive anti-sports nerds going on about how amazing it was. They did this save. They scored this goal. They completely get what the joy of sport is but it had to be framed in a certain way and sensible soccer again takes that sort of um that sort of laddish edge off it and makes it into something more endearing and and less kind of um cold and masculine yeah it it is all about the accessibility you know rocket league's a a great example um because it's it's nothing that's not really been done before i mean Forza Motorsport 4 had football in it. I remember there was an Amiga game, which the name of it's eluding me, where you put a code in and you could play football with cars. Mm. Um, so, you know, this concept of playing sport with, with cars isn't unheard of, but yet people have really taken to it. And it was the same with Sensi, where, um, I mean, I don't want to say it was a cultural phenomenon because gaming hadn't really hit hit no. sort of mainstream like, like it is now. But... It was the first, probably the first time I remember people just talking about it. You know, it wasn't sensible soccer. It was sensey. It wasn't sensible world of soccer. It was swass, yeah. you know. And um, there were people that, did, uh, did, that didn't play computer games, uh, How is how I always saw them back then. If I played it on the Amiga, it was a computer game. If I played it on a console, it was a video game. Um, and there were people that didn't play either or they weren't into spot. But they were picking this up and they were playing it with people because they were having a good good time playing it because it was the right amount of accessibility. So there's a lot more about the very specifics of the design and the code of the game in the in the aforementioned book. Um, I, I again, I, I think anyone who would be interested to listen to a podcast like this would find this book absolutely fascinating. And I don't want to just read reams of, of stuff about how how they actually actually worked. But suffice to say. The stuff going on in the background of Sensible Soccer, um, it's certainly in the opinions of the programmers, is that it's very much to do with these um, sort of cones of awareness that the players had and um, this sort of uh, anticipation um, that they built into their rudimentary AI. And also the fact that the and this is how I felt in uh, in years after this. I remember when I was absolutely a, a, an advocate, uh, an evangelist, really, for, for winning 11 and Pro Evolution Soccer over FIFA back in the uh, 90s and early 2000s. Um, it was the fact that the ball felt real in in Pez and it felt like a weird kind of token in FIFA. It felt like FIFA was programmed entirely around trying to get the players right and not the ball, whereas Pez felt the other way to me and i think that's exactly it sensible soccer the star is the ball it's got obviously um you know the physics aren't 100 percent, you know accurate and actually kickoff uh, had you know had some pretty convincing ball physics but here the players were kind of they reacted to what was happening with the ball and more importantly what was about to happen with the ball instead of being reactive they were proactive and the actual code behind that, as I say, there's there's quite a lot to it. Probably a lot more going on than well, certainly than I thought, and and maybe other people would have thought. But that's that's that immediacy. I think where that's where a lot of that comes from. It's a good book that I kickstarted it, and um, yes. 
it was on my shelf for a little while and I realised that, you know, I'm not getting the maximum use out of, use of, out of it. So I gave it to my brother, uh, James, he's older and he's the reason why I got into Sensible Soccer in the first place. Uh, you know, I said, have this. And I also bought him that Mega Drive um, read only memory book, you know, the past works of Mega Drive or something. It's, it's a similar book, but it goes for a whole the whole remit of um, Mega Drive stuff. And they're also doing a Bitmap Brothers one soon as well, which I've kick-started and, yeah. you know, spoilers, that's a present waiting to happen. But, um, yeah, um, in the book, do they ever talk about why there's no bald-headed players in Sensible Soccer? <laughs> yeah, we should talk about the, the ethnicity and uh, and colouring and, and things like that because I, I remember um, having a slight issue with the fact that there was only one black skin tone. Like, yeah. In a way, it, yeah. was, it, was, it was slightly ahead of its time, although John Barnes' European soccer came out the same year and had a black John Barnes, and um, it was something people had started uh, addressing. Obviously, it's ridiculous in the most global game played by, you know, 200 countries that you would only have white players in a football game. Um, but generally, in things like kickoff, it didn't matter so much because you only generally saw the little tops of their heads and they all had dark hair and so on. So Sensible brought in just that little touch of having... Uh, a black coloured player uh, and a white player with blonde hair and a white player with dark hair. Um, bald, I suppose it, they could have brought in bald, but then there were, there've never been, I mean, there are, there, there have been since then throughout the nineties, there was a real fashion for shaved heads. Now, now beards is the thing. Now you'd want beards. Um, but I suppose they just didn't think it was that worthwhile to, you know, allow for David Armstrong of Southampton to have a bald head or whatever it was. <laughs> but then I suppose Zidane was playing, so maybe maybe they should have done yeah. it. We, we just used to make the, the ball players blonde, but yeah. it, it wasn't right. Yeah, my, my older brother James used to edit all the team names and do that kind of thing, oh, so yes. I, guess, I guess we did have the blonde hair. But yeah, playing it recently on the 360, we were like, oh, there's Viali. Oh, he's got he's got brown hair. He did. Ha- he did have brown hair. <laughs> he did have hair. Did he yeah, really? He did at the yeah, time, yeah. yeah. Oh, we're wrong then. We were convinced that he was a baldy back then, well, but... That was ninety six, ninety seven. So he may mm. have been bald by then. But um, yeah, uh, that I mean, mo- most bald people had hair at some stage, unless they had alopecia. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it was a thing. And as I say, you know, like Central World of Soccer had hundreds and hundreds of countries. For, you know, all, all the even the smaller South American nations and, and Eastern Asian and so on. And yet there was no, there were there were no um, Eastern Asian skin tones. There were no sort of Arabic. You know, it, it was black or white, and that was it. And you had to make an ethnic judgment. But it's interesting because um, there, according to uh, if you, <laughs> this is a bit of side knowledge, but if you log bodies in a disaster, I know this through uh, through work that my partner does. If if you have a, a disaster that involves uh, many casualties, you only log them as one of three ethnicities. Um, which is uh, Caucasian, uh, Negroid, or Mongoloid. That's what they're called. Um, you know, but uh, maybe they should have at least put the the Mongoloid, uh, such as it is in in the sensible game. But um, yeah, it was. But it was it was cool to be able to have that because, again, going back to Sabutio CJ. Mm. I, I don't know if you remember when they started incorporating like a couple of black players in every pack. Just to sort of represent, because back in when I when I was collecting Sabutio teams in the mid eighties, every team was white unless you bought Brazil or something. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. I, yeah. I remember the the Brazil thing, but I don't, I don't remember them putting they did the start black players to, in the pack. Yeah, they did start to sort of you know put a, a smattering of black players, which you know was sort of in some ways you think it was a good move, but in another way it seemed bizarre if you had. You like you know you'd have three black players in your squad, but then there were actually 
eight of the eleven were black. So so it's just like, well, who do I who do I let be their actual colour? Um, so stuff like stuff like that's weird. I remember using the Brazilian goalkeeper um, to play for Manchester City in goal to be Alex Williams. So <laughs> cool. Yeah. I mean, I, it's it. I don't ever remember noticing the difference between the white and the black players in the SWAS games. Oh, uh, I do. I think I think the only time I remember truly noticing the ra- the race of players was in. Um, Pro Evolution on the on the PlayStation, where I would look at someone and go, "He's not white," <laughs> you know. And again, I guess maybe it was because you had that bigger focus on the players. Side and stuff. on maybe view, that, and, yeah. yeah. Then maybe that's when I started to notice it more often. And you like, and um, I suppose more football coverage uh, was was starting to become available, and uh, it, it, it that just that's the point it became jarring, but. It, it, Sensi was just a bit like, yep, there's some white players, there's some black players, and that that was it. I didn't really ever think much of it, but now when you look back at it, you think it is a wee bit strange. It's essentially yeah, it's a, it's two skin colours, three hairs, yeah, well, two hairs. Yeah, I mean, it was cool. It, as I say, it was cool, and it was and it was a nice touch, yeah, yeah. and it felt it felt progressive and inclusive. But actually, it was it, it didn't go far enough. But then I'm sure there were limitations. So it's probably just mem- memory limitations. Yeah, I would absolutely. Like, one would presume. I mean, I was I was watching a. A documentary on the three different graphic styles that systems were going through just prior to the Mega Drive, so it would have been like the NES and, and whatnot. But I've, that almost certainly led into the design similar to the Amiga. Yeah. Um, and it, basically, it works out on um, each sort of thing starts taking up bytes and, yeah. and, and whatnot. So I, I guess based purely on that, that might be an excuse or something. But yeah. given that that's the year it came from, that's the only thing that I can think oh, of absolutely. makes sense. It's not something I'm going to knock them for. It's just, it, yeah, it's yeah. just always that, you know, do I make this guy who's mixed race, do I make him white or do I make him black? Because, you know, there are loads of mixed race players. And um, I was never sure, you know, maybe they'd, they'd prefer one or the other. But moving on. Uh, so talking again about that that match code um it was decided when the team internally wanted to do a sequel sensible world of soccer they uh apparently it was very much driven from within obviously renegade were keen for them to do it as well because uh was such a a commercial hit but they wanted to add um the ability to buy and sell players and and bring in the world so um they largely left the match engine alone and the game engine, although they added the ability to kind of more uh, more intricately fine-tune tactics and so on. But John Hare said the main advancement from Sensible Soccer to SWAS was the ability to buy and sell players and a huge amount of new players and teams. 27,000 players, 1,500 teams from more than 70 countries, all researched by Mike Hammond. The amount of work involved was colossal, but for Mike it was relatively easy. He had all this data already. All he had to do was convert it to our format. He did Europe, which was almost 50 countries, but another guy, Serge Van Hoof, did the rest of the world. We include the details of every single player in the world. No one had attempted anything like this before. No one had even come close. One of the reasons people the world over love SWAS is that it really does replicate the entire world of football. If you were a games player, say, in El Salvador, no one before SWAS had even acknowledged your country exists, let alone your local football team in the third division, with that bloke in the number seven shirt with blonde hair who plays on the right wing. For me, it comes from playing Sabutio as a kid and loving the authenticity to all the different kits from around the world. For us, it required relatively little work to include that level of detail. Mike did the bulk of it, really. 
Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's quite fascinating that because I remember when I played SWAS and I started looking at the, the international countries um, and I saw the country Angola. Mm. And I, I guess it was just the, the goal part of the name of that country. I was like, <laughs> is, is, is that's a place? What I've never heard of Angola. And, you know, and, and I guess that was just the scale of it. Obviously, I was young at you the time. Young. We'll Excuse my ignorance and whatnot. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I guess it was, that was um, just, just, I just remember the scale of playing Swass and thinking, this is massive. There's so much of everything in here um, from just more national teams, more club teams, the players and whatnot, um, that music. Uh, yeah, I just remember booting up Swass for the first time and it feeling like an event more than just a, a, an an updated title, yeah. which the ones before it had felt like it was a bit more tweaked with Swass. It just felt like this was a different sort of era of this. I title. was so excited for this game. This this did everything that I wanted out of a video game. This was you know my dream has always been and and kind of still is in a way a game that like if 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 this year uh, Sports Interactive and EA or or Konami announced that they were properly marrying up Football Manager oh, and FIFA that's or the dream, Leon. Exactly, the dream. That is the ultimate dream for a, for a football gamer. But back in 1994, this was this was pretty much as good as damn it. I mean, we already had we already had Champ Manager, um, so it, we knew that the management side of SWAS wouldn't be quite that level of depth that um, the Collier brothers and Domark were giving us. But it was going to reignite that the majesty of the player manager. Uh, game by by Anko and Screech, uh, Dino Dini and Screech for Anko, player manager that uh, CJ and I I know were absolutely in love with, and um, and once again the game came out and I started playing <laughs> it and it was kind of broken, <laughs> um, so yeah this was I can't remember exactly what month it was in '94 but um, yeah the you know the music fired up goal scoring superstar hero um, which was written by. Uh, the late Richard Joseph and John Hare and with uh, some actual sung vocals by a woman called Jackie Reed. Um, I can't remember who she was. She was like just some woman they knew, I think. I'm not sure if she Yeah, was... that's the always the impression I got. Yeah. I, I think its release must have been quite late because I was pretty intolerable as a kid when it came to waiting for stuff and I remember waiting <laughs> for Christmas for Swass. Yeah. So uh, it kind of been... I guess I would guess it was eight weeks out from Christmas. Yeah, it sounds about um, right. <laughs> And uh, I, without going into the litany of bugs, um, there was an article which I haven't had time to dig out, sadly. It's sitting next to me somewhere in a big pile of Amiga Powers. They actually ran an entire feature on the number of different bugs that were present in the initial release of SWAS. There were all sorts of weird things going on, like you could have a player that would score 50 goals in a season, his value would plummet, Um people just getting injured left right and center which still seemed to be actually yeah. a design choice in, according to the, yeah, to the latest did, i version. do remember it was it did feel phenomenally brutal in in swass where you'd play a game and you seem to be losing a player a game yeah. to injury yeah um and there were various other things and there you know a lot of people rushed out to buy this and pirate it a few people which i think were rumbled by their complaints some <laughs> giving away that they they didn't have a legitimate copy um and things like that but um again it was a case of waiting waiting for patches and updates they they released uh, an update disc which i think was given away on commodore commodore user or cu amiga as it was then um but that was several months down the line um did anyone else was anyone else there buying so i assume you weren't darren because you weren't no. a computer gamer i was aware CJ? of its existence 
Yeah. <clears throat> I, I remember um, the the thing you mentioned about having uh, top-rated players that would... Whose whose value would always go down, would never go up. Yeah, that that rang rang a few bells. But again, I, th- I think I'm I'm kind of a little bit rose tinted from the the World Cup edition because that's that's kind of glued into my memory. And um, I don't I don't know. I think I, I I don't remember the game with the bugs in any iteration. Really, I, I just remember it. Working and this falling is how, off with it. It's this is weird. how memory works. This is yeah. this is why people are so rose tinted about old games yeah. and so negative about new games because, actually, yeah, those of us who make it our business to remember, there were all sorts of issues with games back in the day, and a lot oftentimes they weren't fixable. But thankfully, in this case, because of the level of demand and outcry. Sensible kept releasing patches and updates and, and discs, and yeah. sometimes they charge you for them. But in but generally, uh, with the with the patched games in in the cases of both Sensible and Sensible World of Soccer, they actually released free updates. So fair play to them for doing that back then, because obviously there was there was a distribution cost with actually sending out discs and things like that. But I think they made arrangements with uh, the publisher, the magazine publisher, which was probably EMAP, I think, for CU Amiga. Um, obviously. It, benefited emat massively massively to have that disc on the cover say look here's your fixed version of sensible world of soccer i remember gleefully updating it and hoping that my woes were behind me i'd still put in a huge amount of hours into the game up to this point but it was pretty annoying um as you worked your way you know took taking uh well, I suppose yeah, it was, a, it was a different squad back in '94, but trying to take my Brighton team from the lower leagues back up to to the top flight. Um, this was in the early days of the Premier League, of course, and you know the the game uh, represented that to a certain extent with transfer fees, you know, starting to creep up, lots of foreign players coming in from abroad, and all that sort of thing. It was an exciting time, um, you know, for good or ill. Football's changed a lot since since those those days, and. Yes, it certainly has, hasn't it, CJ? <laughs> it certainly yeah. has. Yes, <laughs> from from going to going to uh, to Main Road and just like oh, I'm just going to post this competition entry, and my uncle just going, "Not if you want it to get there, not in that post box." I was like, "Why?" Like, oh, they regularly set fire to the post boxes around here. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, lots. There weren't there weren't so many oligarchs back in '94 <laughs> at the at the the outset. The sky the sky money wasn't quite what it is now, um, <laughs> and parachute payments and all that, but. Uh, but nevertheless, um, yeah, it, it was a challenge to drag a, a a beleaguered lower division club up through the ranks, and all those bugs really weren't helping. You know, like the way that clubs like mine survived back then was flogging players to higher, you know, higher, still is to 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 the top yeah. flight. And if your your star striker was scoring twenty five goals, thirty goals, and then dropping in value from like 750 grand down to 250 grand it kind of you know scunnered your progress a little bit so that that patch was was very welcome and and i still don't think it it fully addressed everything but it certainly it certainly helped and um a lot of those sort of uh glitches were were smoothed over at least some of them resolved fully yeah i I know with that patch that i did not get it legit off a magazine if i remember correctly i think my uncle just handed me a disc and went that there you go that's the update yeah. sort of thing um yeah. and that was, that was that was sort of one of for good or bad it, w- it was quite advantageous back then that, that if you missed out on something that was a patch on an issue of a magazine well yeah I, that, that you know you could you could essentially that was floating around quite yeah i think they released because you still had to have 
I think it still somehow did a check that you had to have an original disc. I wonder if they released it as sort of um, yeah. public domain almost, like shareware, you know, just trying to get I think get it, it became a second disc, didn't it? To mm. the, it, it replaced one of your I've two got original discs. I've got, Some, something like I've that. I've got my original. I know that I could just be rattling the same box because you, you wouldn't know. But this <laughs> is my original Sensible World of Soccer box from 1994. And I've got Amiga Disc 1 and Disc 2 in the box. But then I've got Sensible Soccer. This is my, my writing from 21 years ago. Sensible update cover disc dot 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 and uh, it's got a nice little label on it so yeah i think that's exactly what happened i think i've put my own label over it i think yeah. back then as well there was uh, um and i say this in, uh, in inverted commas the computer club which uh, <laughs> around around here was um hiring out a uh, a hall in a local sports center which the computer club was just lots of people copying games for each other <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you had to like pay a couple of quid to uh to go in and uh, uh to pay for the 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 rental of the place but i'd imagine that that passed around a a little bit of it but um yeah with regards to the the, the transfer fees as well that was something that they they never really addressed, and I wish they had. It would have been nice to to get a player, say, for £250,000 and then turn them into a star striker and then perhaps have teams offering you five hundred grand or seven hundred and fifty grand for it. And normally, if you, if you got a player and you were going for somebody bigger, you'd have to kind of just use them as a make-weight in buying a, a more expensive player rather than having, you know, those sort of catastrophic like i can't turn them down offers coming in to uh to maybe get rid of somebody and try and replace them so yeah i always think that was that was a a missed trick a little bit and well done to sensible for also putting in the uh the exchange player uh thing you could add one or two players to an offer oh yeah yeah and all that sort of thing which uh is something that seems fairly uh straightforward now but it was something that a lot of games just hadn't done back then well, I really like the you got the um, you got the the transfer list, but then you could go off piste, if you will, That's it, and yeah. just go to clubs and sort of offer. And, and sometimes it might be um, this club will do no more dealings with your own, but you might hike the price up a little bit or try and chuck in a little bit of chaff, some sort of player yeah, that you weren't absolutely. weren't yeah. fussed about, and and it'd be. Uh, we will negotiate if you up the offer by one hundred and fifty thousand or whatever it might be. That was that was that was really new at the time as well. And I, and again, I, it's something that I've not really really seen sort of replicated elsewhere. Yeah, and there was a certain thrill as as with its forerunner player manager. Um, there was a certain thrill to actually knowing that you were going to be controlling this player rather than just watching him. Although I think you, you probably did have the option just to watch manage and watch the games, didn't you? Um, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You could simulate them as well, mm-hmm. but I preferred to play. And I, I just, I remember going on just ridiculous unbeaten streaks, just, you know, like I remember my girlfriend at the time coming in one day and like, just, you know, asking me some, some perfectly reasonable mundane question and I'm going, oh, man, don't interrupt me. Oh, like some ridiculous, <laughs> you know, and you know that with sensible soccer, I mean, this is true in, in even um, modern football games with longer halves, but it only takes literally a second of lack of concentration in sensible soccer and you will have conceded a goal because it all happens at such, yeah. such pace, such magnified uh, intensity and time. So, yeah, there were a few more versions of Sensible World of Soccer released. The, the 95-96 version was, uh, you know, fully 
fully updated and patched. Uh, Chris Chapman said uh, that it was the the version they originally wanted to create. I assume the original release being so buggy was to do with getting hitting the Christmas window and that sort of thing. Yes, that's not a modern thing. That was happening 20 years ago. Um, there was a European Championship edition, uh, Championship edition, which unofficially presumably tied in with uh, Euro 96 in England. Um, the 96-97 version was kind of the final ultimate version and that's the version um they they uh, based the 360 xbla version on i remember the thing i really remember about this was um you know i was definitely already moving on from sensi onto uh iss deluxe and uh iss pro and so on uh was just around the corner i think at this point i remember that this was sold though the game was still selling this in their tiny tiny amiga section at this point um it might have might have been electronics boutique by this stage um but it came in a jewel case like a double cd jewel case with a disc in it um and i knew that the amiga was kind of on its way out then because the big cardboard boxes were gone and they were sticking discs in cd cases um and i had that for yeah that for quite a long time um and uh yeah you can also as well as being able to get this version on xbox live arcade you can also get it on uh, good old games for pc where i assume it also plays at that accelerated lick um that it does on 360 as well um because i assume think, it just tops out do you think out. it's still got the commentary in there because uh, I know, I know, uh, Jonathan Pierce was uh, wasn't even working for BBC at, at that point. No, no, no. He, oh. Yeah, he came out of Channel Five, was it? Um, no, it was before that. I think he oh, was right. um, some London station. I think at yeah, that point he was known for his sort of eccentric and. Uh, mm. Whereas he's become, you know, he's become more sort of uh, standard, your yeah, standard commentator. Um, no, I don't know, um, but yeah, it's there on good old games for their usual five dollars ninety nine. So PC and three sixty owners can still play Sensi. Um, they did a couple of well, they didn't do uh, a pair of brothers, Gideon and Don Cresswell, uh, among others. Um, created unofficial updates uh, for the 96 90 uh, 97 sorry 97 98 and 98 99 seasons i think uh although there was a world cup edition anyway and um yeah the, these came on uh covered um, amiga cover cds so you could get the data from there um and uh play with updated teams and world cup related graphics apparently uh, another little side story we must go into uh, the wonderful uh, miscellany that are the the sensible soccer related cover discs. Um, now I played all of these. Did anybody else? Hmm. I vaguely recall my friend Gerard Peplow and his Amiga having some sort of Christmassy cannon foddery yeah. type thing. Is that the one they kicked the bomb? No. That's uh, that's, that's sensible soccer meets bulldog blighty. So, all oh, right, okay. uh, yeah. So, um, cannon soccer was was basically cannon fodder, but um, but the the enemies were sensible soccer players. So that wasn't really a sensible soccer uh, game as such. But uh, on um, Amiga Power cover disc twenty one was England versus Germany um, or sensible soccer meets bulldog blighty, and this featured. Um, as well as uh, some normal games, it had the 66 World Cup final in black and white. Um, and it had the... Oh, was that, was that this one? I'm not sure. But um, there was certainly a demo which, which had that. Um, and this also had uh, Canon Soccer. No, not Canon Soccer. That was the other one. <sighs> Start again. Sorry, edit, Sean. 
And this also had uh, the aforementioned hand grenade mode where, yes, the ball was uh, 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 not um, randomly bouncing, but it didn't have ball physics. It it bounced around in unpredictable fashion, shall we say. And every so often it would start to flash and then explode, taking out any nearby players. You could actually end up with uh, goalkeeper versus goalkeeper and a stalemate. Um, And that was genuinely good fun in two player mode. Later on with SWAS, there was uh, a sensible world of moon soccer with, a, <laughs> uh, with uh, yeah, low gravity, <laughs> a cratered pitch and alien players to uh, trade. So that worked as a demo. And the other one I remember was unsensible soccer, yeah, which instead this. of footballers had apples and oranges. This must I mean, have been about the time where I befriended this um, yeah. person Gerard because I remember a lot of these Amiga cover discs being you know in his uh, in his collection the uh, apples versus oranges was a, a big thing and of course that all plays in with uh, one thing, aspect of the official games that we haven't mentioned uh, both in Sensi and Swass were the hordes of pre-edited teams of uh, silly things, household items, uh, old old rockers, um, things that you'll find around the office, uh, certain groups of celebrity uh, journalists and things like that. Um, I didn't used to, you know, we, we tended to play with the real teams, but it was always funny, you know, you'd have a game where, I don't know, Trouser Press would score a goal or something like that. And, uh, <laughs> I always remember a professions team. Uh-huh. We had like mailman and stuff like that. There were there were quite a few of them. I noticed that um, uh, Classic Games Room uh, reviewed uh, this recently. Yeah. And they were really taken by all the bonkers names and oh, right. uh, and 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 daft uh, daft team names as well. And it's like, well, that's that's kind of cool because we look at it from you know a, a European perspective, yeah. seeing an American perspective and something that wasn't mm. a sports game that perhaps wasn't taking itself sort of super seriously, and and, and even now that that stands up. So. I, I know uh, Mark at Classic Classic Game Room pretty much you know reviews anything and everything, but I, I don't know how much of a soccer fan he is. But again, it comes sort of comes back to that idea that maybe sensible soccer you don't need to know anything or like anything about football. Everyone under even you know every uh, American even understands the basic rules of football one goal equals one point that's all you need to know and uh, and really the rest of the rules are kind of uh, you, ju- you just don't need to know them to play sensible you just move the ball from one into the other and try to get it in the net and you're not allowed to kick people who haven't got the ball it's uh, simple as that um, now we move away temporarily from what I consider to be the classic era of sensible soccer and some games that I haven't played. Um, I know we've got at least one player of one of these games, but uh, chime in if you've played any of these. Sensible Soccer 98, a 3D version for DOS and Windows. Uh, according to Wikipedia, don't normally read quotes from Wiki, but much maligned because it bore little relation to the original game. Originally supposed to be called Sensible Soccer 2000 and reviewed one reviewed by one magazine under that name i think i played it once um i remember the commentary getting absolutely battered because i think it was one of the developers that did the commentary okay yeah um but yeah it didn't really make a lasting impression there was a tweaked updated version of that game for uh pc and also ps1 uh which chrysalis software handled the uh the former makers for the amiga of the manchester united series of games um Again, I remember that coming out on PlayStation, but just thinking, nah, I'm playing, I'm playing Pro Evo, thanks, uh, or ISS yep, Pro. That was, that's exactly and it. That was, that was a big thing then, wasn't this it? This looks awful. Was, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was 
since he had that market where it was the oh, I won't say perfect, but it was it was the top down football game. Mm. Um, mm. And when you're trying to join something like Proive or ISS as it was at the time, which was doing a quite phenomenal job on PS One uh, in three D, yeah. it's you know that that that's some tough competition. And it always I remember I looked in a magazine and I saw it shown and I was like, that's not sensible. That's it. Yeah, I mean no. that's exactly it. If they just released like a a, a a perfect version of of SWAS at this point for PS One, rather yeah. than a the, than a shoddy three D update by Chrysalis, I'd have bought it. I'd have bought SWAS like the ultimate edition for PS One or whatever. No questions. I would have added it alongside my my ISS Pro ninety eight or whatever I was playing at this point. I um, think it showed it showed the um, the difficulties of uh, a British a lot of British uh, uh, development. Uh, houses sort of taking that next step up. I know um, from Bedrooms to Billions said that um, the American financial market really invested in in their software houses and allowed them to take the next step, but the British banks wouldn't do. Hmm. Um, and I think you can see in this why, I don't know, they, what Sensible Software seemingly thought they should do and the natural direction that, that, that games were going in, they, they maybe weren't completely equipped to, to do at that point. Yeah, and I think we were already, you know, the, the famous core team of, of the sensible guys wasn't wasn't what it was anyway obviously as we say the you know the ps1 version was converted by another another software studio and and so on and so forth so it didn't really feel to me like i was missing out on an official it may have had the name but it it could have been anything for to all intents and purposes and at this point as well there were a lot of options there wasn't you know there, there were there were there were franchise leaders as far as me and all my mates were concerned uh you know i'd long since moved on from playing sensi with my mate neil who was now you know starting a family and so on i had a new group of mates from work and we were playing these amazing uh heavy on the alcohol and cigarettes uh multi-session tournaments of iss pro and there was just no need no need to go backwards uh similarly i yeah i I, I certainly wasn't into java based mobile games but there was a sensible soccer mobile in 2005 uh, by tower studios for kuju wireless yeah. Nope. 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 Uh, and then there's, there's an interesting uh, tale about this one. And I know we've got somebody who, pl- at least one person who played this. In 2006, Sensible Soccer 2006 by Kuju Sheffield uh, with uh, collaboration with John Hare. So, you know, uh, some seal of authenticity. This was for uh, PC, PS2 and the original Xbox. Um, now, this game is available on good old games but you may or may not want to pick it up depending on who you believe this game was reviewed at the time generally uh quite negatively uh although its average review score is rather bolstered by one review it got on Eurogamer of a 9 out of 10 now it came out uh, subsequently that that review was written i think a, m- a month before the finished version um in a place uh, on a on a completely uh, a goalkeeper free uh, pre-release code and um, it, it just the whole thing came out and didn't seem uh, very uh, above board shall we say the uh, there's an article by uh, Stuart Campbell formerly of Amiga Power on his World of Stuart uh, blog um, absolutely tears Sensible Soccer 2006 apart calling it the new World Cup Carnival that will mean something to those of you who are really old uh, it was a hastily rebadged um 
and mm. widely regarded as a terrible football game uh, to tie in with the 86 World Cup. And, um, yeah, so, Darren, you played this, right? Yeah, I remember buying this in Asda in Dunstable <laughs> on a very hot day before the World Cup. So okay. there, was, there was some, obviously, influence. Were you, you know, caught the up World... by the, the name, the hype, the what was going on? Yeah, the yeah, I was absolutely... The review wasn't in my, you know, in my... I wasn't aware of the review, but the fact that it was a sensible soccer game it was, only, it was only 20 quid. It was a budget game. Ah. So it was the, it was kind of like pick up a crate of beer and, oh, there's a sensible soccer game on the end. Let's well, pick it up as you? well. Yeah, yeah, you know. It's, it's got a guy doing a bicycle kick on the front cover. I mean, you can't do that in sensible soccer, but maybe they've added a new thing to do. Well, yeah. it's, it's polygons. You know. Well, yeah, exactly. You never know. Uh, I remember enjoying it for a very brief time, but it feels like they've kind of slapped a name on a game that already existed. Uh, That's exactly what happened, because it was a butchered version of the club football engine from Codemasters. Mm. Um, The club football games, which was this... uh, It was quite a cool idea, I suppose, um, if you support one of the big clubs, where Codemasters released um, games for... Was it like 40 different clubs over over the continent? And it was the same game, obviously, but they each focused and had the livery of, you know, whether you were Leeds, Man United, Barcelona or whatever... Um, but they, I, as far as I understand it, they twisted that engine on uh, from horizontal to vertical, changed the sprites to sort of semi-realistic to cell shaded, and uh, and left in a load of bugs that were existing that existed in club football. This is what Stuart Campbell goes to town yeah. about, um, having having investigated. And I played it again recently, even like you know an hour before this recording, and it doesn't play terribly. But it, okay. it's, it's not sensible soccer. It's got it's got a sprint button, for example, which I'm not a fan of. For, mm. it, in context of sensible soccer it's got you know it's got more than one button to play the game and again it's kind of like well you know that's fine for another football game but for sensible soccer you you have certain expectations and i can understand why they wanted to make it you know more improved i guess in quotation marks mate you know maybe they wanted a an updated version of sensible soccer to make it more relevant for today's gamers but at the end of the day like you kind of just want what they put out on the 360 and just make it sensible soccer again but you know i enjoyed playing it for a couple of weeks around the world cup when it was out it it didn't offend me like it has this uh you know this Stuart campbell like he seems to absolutely detest it of every well that's kind of that's kind of his that's kind of his thing okay um and actually i should i should correct it was uh, it was actually the review of um sensible soccer 98 where uh the reviewer had reviewed a much earlier version without goalkeepers so i should should correct that um but still uh that nine out of ten for sensible soccer 2006 um seems you know seems uh seems high based on based on what yeah. i've heard i wouldn't have given I it a nine the, out of ten i think the most jarring thing about about uh, this game was if i'm re- remembering rightly if you got the ball at your feet and somebody ran across you they'd instantly get the ball mm. so it so it was again it it, it felt very uh very arcadey and stuff but um but yeah i was i was working for a newspaper at the time and i, I got an advanced copy of this oh you did okay um uh and uh i i definitely remember nerding out when i actually spoke to john Hare of the phone uh, for the piece, which you was which did. was amazing, but yeah, the the, the game coming out uh, led me to uh, the Codemasters message boards at the time, and everyone seemed to be really excited for the release beforehand. But the final game 
proved very divisive on those boards and made a lot of people very angry. It may be um, that the, the version on good old games on, on PC has been patched umpteen times because obviously they couldn't do that on the PS2. So it might be, it might now be a work of sensible style genius. But, uh, but some- yeah, there was, a, there, was a, there was a German lad on that forum who uh, him and his, some of his friends had uh, at that point adapted the Amiga game to, to play online. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. so there was it was just like nah, <laughs> people were already playing that version of the game um, before this one came out, and yeah, there were a lot of folks that were that were genuinely angry sort of thereafter. It was quite divisive and posts getting deleted. I, and I never stuff, liked the big heads. Some I never, people. I never liked the big heads. It always mm. reminded me of just like it was too cartoony. Uh, yeah, it was a bit too comical. Like there was, no, there was just no need for it. I don't know. I, I mean, I I, I dug out. The, re- the review earlier i went into the to the cupboard in the kitchen the review that i'd done and i reviewed it positively i really i really enjoyed mm. it mm. Um, the other but but uh yeah it was me, me and the other guy <laughs> dragged the score <laughs> I'd, I'd forgotten the way it looked and i i don't know i, I uh, it, it looked a, a little bit almost nintendo i'd forgotten it was uh it was that cartoony in the in the characters and stuff but yeah i remember i think it looks horrifically it. ugly i remember playing it at the time and it maybe it was just because you know i was excited for a new a new sensi and just threw myself into a football game but again i had there was a, a lad that i worked with called dave who uh who came over and we we had two pads plugged into the xbox and we we played played the socks off it and just had a a really good laugh and yeah it, it, some and again those moments are, are often made by the company that you that you're with i mean you can't have enjoyed it that much cj because it came out in 2006 and you said that swass has been your football game for the last nine years so it yeah was good enough to put you off every other football game yeah it's uh <laughs> i think i think i, yeah. I got my my timelines mixed up a bit there but uh yeah i did i did play it to bits though to be fair <laughs> yeah, like i say it was a game that was all right it was good fun for two weeks while the world cup was on you know and then that was it. it you traded it in and you never thought about it again but that doesn't mean it was a nightmare I don't think it released at quite a full price, though. No, either. yeah, I got it from Asda for twenty quid, as I mentioned. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was a bit of a bargain, and you maybe know, that was a bit of damage limitation that's in alarm itself. Bells so. read for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there's, there was the thing is in two thousand and six on the PS2, there was no shortage of other quality football games. Um, they were always, you know, the Pro Evo games were far more intriguing to me than 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 oh, yeah. this sensible this soccer was, uh, yeah heading um, towards the the absolute peak of konami's powers i think as well oh, they, they, yeah they were absolutely at, at that time they were untouchable mm. in terms of football you know the, the, there's a reason ea redesigned their entire engine yeah. um coming out of 2005 well, you see so, I, I didn't yeah. i didn't have a, a ps2 so i then maybe that's why i was i was swayed elsewhere oh, man. you would have loved you would have loved uh pez Right, we must crack on. Uh, there was another mobile game that I would have avoided even if I did play Java mobile games because it uh, has the word skills with a Z in it. Uh, Sensible Soccer Skills 2006 by Cobra Mobile. And then br- uh, bringing, bringing us back to that 2007, yes, that is nearly eight years ago, release of Sensible World of Soccer for the Xbox 360 by Kuju Sheffield. Um, so it was going to come out on Windows as well, uh, but that was cancelled. Um, of course, uh, it added all the necessary things you need for uh, an Xbox Live Arcade release. So online multiplayer, as previously mentioned, um, remastered audio, which is great because the uh, Goal 
Homecoming Superstar Hero song is now uh, much crisper and uh, it's got an extra verse and so on. Um, you can zoom in. It's got leaderboards. It's got uh, yeah. It's got it's got a new a new makeover, which I think looks okay. But I still play with the Amiga graphics on the whole time, and I, I like the yeah. fact that yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I like the, the, I like the little the little stuff like the train going past. Yeah, it's very sensible because they did sent they did, they did um, sensible train spotting um, as as a cover disc. It was another of their comedy cover discs. So that so that mm. that's a nice uh, nod back. I was going to say there's there's nothing sensible about playing football near the train. No, <laughs> very good point. Yes, yeah, public service films told us there were uh, the um, the, the sponsored uh, hoardings as well with CBG and yeah, 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 games yeah. radar and stuff like and that. And and Xbox yeah. official magazine. Yeah, which yeah. which uh, which disappear if you back to the the mm. originals on the Amiga version yeah there's um, a few touches i don't like with the new updated graphics i like the widescreen and i like some of the pictures there's one that looks like streaky bacon and it looks horrible on the eyes it's like you played rock band for 10 years yeah. and you've got that wavy image in your face all the time it's really distracting but when you score a goal and there's that weird pulse i, I hate I, that i don't like it at all it's, i was hoping i actually i was hoping they would patch that out because turn it off yeah i, I, yeah. I have no idea what they were thinking with that it's, it's the just, worst thing about it it's just bizarre. So mm. yeah, always the, back to the, the strangest thing. one for me in that one is where they've 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 built a tunnel for the players to walk uh, walk through, <laughs> yeah. but they walk over, over the top it. of it like the cameraman as well. Yeah, yeah. They don't actually care. yeah. <laughs> but overall, apart from the the speed issue, which I think is significant. Um, I thought they actually did a pretty good job mm. of, of transposing yeah. it onto the 360 controller. You can play it with D-pad, especially if you've got one of the limited edition 360 pads with a workable D-pad. Um, but actually, I do find I get a slightly more authentic feel by playing with the analog stick, even though it is analog. But in terms of, you know, being able to whip it round for aftertouch and, you know, do curling top corners, it's never quite the same as playing it with a Competition Pro or a Speed King, whatever, or a Bug, whatever your choice is. But um but i think i think it's all right um and actually i think it's a good version overall um but i think it's another one of those games and this is a, a pet topic of mine people were clamoring for and then uh, in some cases like carl they were just like yeah actually uh, i you know i'm kind of done with this but other people like clamored for it you know petitions or whatever and then didn't even seem to buy it or actually load yeah. it up and you're just like what are you doing you know did you want this yeah, back or I, not you're not going to recreate 1996 but you can still enjoy it i've played I mean, it for I, all of I them was, <laughs> yeah I was, I was on forums at the time um i was a heavy forum user and i, I just remember people desperate for sensible world of soccer to come out and then they were disappointed when there was the delay like cj mentioned and then the game came out and the smallest fraction of those people actually bought that I title. Know. It was really it weird. It happens a lot. It happens a lot. Um, it, yeah, it's a bit of a bugbear of mine. I think people want... It's like they want that time in their lives recreated, but when it comes to actually doing it, they realise that you can't time travel, and so they don't spend the money and they don't support the re-release. So. Um, but anyway... Uh, there were many clones, as you'd expect for a game that was selling millions of copies, uh, per perhaps the most notable and the most blatant of which was Football Glory. Now, Football Glory uh, is probably responsible for all the serious Sam games because it was uh, it was this blatant ripoff of Sensible by Crow Team that was their first ever release. Mm. Uh, so if they hadn't done that, we we may not have had all those um, kind of Doom-esque uh, Duke Nukem-esque first-person shooters. Uh, it really was a blatant clone. I never played it, uh, but I just remember looking at the box and thinking, 
are you having a laugh well you know come on at least make it look semi-different uh, did I've not anyone even heard of this? Really? I just I just brought it up now. It yeah, was, it, it, was, it was exactly the same, isn't it? It was. Yeah, it was on the, the it was on the shelves. It was. Um, yeah, and I'm sure it suckered any number of people into into buying it. Um, Manchester United Premier League champions was uh, Chrysalis's fourth Man U game, I think, possibly third or fourth. Anyway, they'd started with some side on stuff, and then with this one, they moved into a, a top down sensey type vibe. It was actually it played somewhere between Dino Gini's goal and sensible soccer, and uh, it was actually pretty good fun. It was just a bit Man United centric for my liking. I, I, ne- I never played it, and I didn't think it looked good, but it sounds good. Didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, it sounded unusual at the time, but because uh, it was uh, it was it was a relatively new development. Um, so, uh, but no, it was it was actually it was I, I thought it was actually quite fun. I played quite a few seasons of that, and you didn't have to play as Man United, unlike uh, earlier games in the series. So you could you could play as uh, someone cool like Brighton. Um, the new Star Soccer series, which famously came to iOS uh, a couple of years ago and Android, I assume, um, in slightly altered form, but was a, was a massive hit. Um, and I, I think you were a big fan. Of I this was one, yeah. until uh, it got completely rebalanced for microtransactions and kind of broke it. But I thought it was a lot of fun for the first uh, for the first little while. But the original new Star Soccer was. And, uh, you know, a downloadable PC game, not an iOS game. And it was basically a full sensible soccer, sensible world of soccer type thing. So, again, it was that sort of frustration of people saying, oh, my God, we need SWAS back and then not buying it. But actually, you could have been playing New Star Soccer all the time or any number of these uh, Sensi clones for PC. Natural Soccer, Simple Soccer, Sense Less Soccer, Super Soccer, Champs. This is a tongue twister. Awesome Soccer World, Kicking Soccer, Open World Soccer or Yoda Soccer. And also I've noticed there are various Xbox Live indie games available on 360, which uh, certainly seems to have a sensible look about them. There's a game coming up uh, that you've discovered, Darren, called Copanito Soccer. This is uh, Copanito All-Stars. It's uh, side on top down. It's kind of it's actually more the same camera angle as, uh, you know, a FIFA or a Pez. But it looks to have some of the uh, philosophies of Sensi to it. Mm, Yeah, they clearly mentioned Sensible Soccer as their inspiration, as well as Nintendo World Cup and Kickoff. And I've played the alpha that you can download from the Greenlight page. And, you know, it has the ball bending mechanic of Sensible Soccer. Yes, you know, quite, you know, character unique to that series i guess but yeah like it, it seems to have a lot of influence from sensible soccer just purely from visual and you know minor gameplay touches here and there it you know it looks all right would you recommend people check it out i mean if, uh, the game's not out yet but you know if you want to check out that playable demo uh, I, I don't know what copanito is i don't know it's a terrible name for a football game to be honest well it's but, um, it mean it's like i think it's uh as in it's like south american tinged isn't it i don't know where mm. it's, it's being developed in uh, yes, uh, that's an answer I haven't got at the moment. But yeah, um, sorry, oh, no, on the spot. no, they're Polish. Okay, I think it's a sort of play on Copa, yeah. as in South American football, and Nito, as in uh, a little thing. Um, yeah, so it's a sort of it's a sort of South American tinged pun, I think. Um, and yeah, back in January of this year, uh, Digital Spy ran an article with John Hare saying exactly as uh, Darren was saying that he is still and always looking for ways in which to bring back the brand or bring back the franchise, uh, bring back the fun of that type of football game. Um, but I think it's it's always going to be a question of, of 
you know, formats and marketing and stuff like that. I'd like to think that if they released a, a really cool version for, you know, PS4 and Xbox One or whatever, people would play it. People would download it and play it, but then often they don't seem to. So <laughs> I think that's the gamble, isn't it? Right, we must hear from our community. As you can imagine, um, we've had a certain amount of correspondence for Sensible Soccer, this fondly remembered and much played game. Start with Robotic Monkey, who posted at canerince.com slash forum. Ah, the fond memories I have of playing Sensible Soccer on my Amiga 500. The slightly odd physics where the ball didn't really stick to your feet, but after a summer holiday of playing non-stop against friends, I think we were all able to perform a perfect curling shot from the halfway line and score every time. Maybe on the first version where the keepers were rubbish, yeah. Xavier Desmond says, Unlike the Kane and Rince team and many of your fantastic contributors, I have a terrible memory for the games of my childhood, so I often struggle to recall my early gaming memories. Fortunately, with Sensi and Swass, I played the game so much on my Amiga when I was younger, the games leave an indelible mark on my memory. Going back to the games now, the things you notice are the differences to these games and the modern games of FIFA and PES. The sensible software sense of humour with the silly teams based on crisp packets and the like. You notice the simple one-button control scheme and cartoony graphics with the top-down viewpoint. It gives the impression of a simple take on footy based on fun rather than realism. I think this impression is actually rather misplaced. Back in the day, these games and SWAS in particular were the football fans' football games. As well as the silly teams, efforts were made to have real clubs with real players with with a fantastically in-depth career mode, years ahead of its time. Little touches like red cards being given for professional fouls and tackles from behind and seasonal weather effects really added to the game. Sensi was a game made by football fans for football fans and was the game that captured the spirit of the beautiful game, a feat more visually realistic games have struggled to match ever since. Nice post, thanks Xavier. Or Xavier, I'm not sure which you prefer. Haze Red Mist says, Oh man, my first and greatest sensible soccer experience was on the Mega Drive. My uncle had a copy and he, my cousin and I would sit for hours on end creating teams to run through tournaments and leagues with. The team I remember the most was Aging Rockers with the likes of Eric Clapton, Alice Cooper and Bob Geldof spearheading the attack. What a wonderful game though, blisteringly fast with gameplay that encouraged consistent passing and moving as opposed to lengthy dribbles or hanging on to the ball for too long. The goals and quick replays that never got too irritating, take note FIFA, made every game fun and the in-game music was quality, if a little repetitive after a while. Thank you very much for that one. This is an edit point short while I take a drink of water. Mm. Leave it in, Sean. I haven't got time. (laughs) No time for sippage. Next up we have, I think, a new contributor again. Hunter 30. Welcome. Ah, the sweet nostalgia. I shouldn't really regard this game with the fondness that I do, as I was particularly inept at it. Although in my defence, I was only around eight or nine at the time. I'd play against my older brother on his dusty Amiga, and my memories largely consist of being taken to the cleaners by him ad nauseum. His ability to control the capricious ball was an art that mystified me, especially when my every attempt to dribble resembled an inebriated squirrel trying to carry an oversized apple up a tree. I think I may once have actually scored a goal, although it was likely more by accident than design. I also remember playing, the inverted commas are completely justified here, alone, not pitting myself against the computer. Oh no. Instead, I would create tournaments with the international teams and then simulate the results, even assiduously recording them in a dedicated notepad. 
Please don't judge me too harshly. I think this may have been my young mind's way of trying to erase the cruel injustice and heartache of Euro 96. Fantastic post. More like that, please. Ah, what do we have here? Sean S. Thomas says, what a game Swass was. I ploughed many, many hours into this with friends and I'm still playing the odd game of FIFA at Christmas with those chaps 20 years on. Only one of our friend base actually owned an Amiga, but he could be pretty cruel. What? He? Hmm. Only one of our friend base actually owned an Amiga and he could be a pretty cruel character who'd only let certain people have a go. But that didn't stop us all hanging around like losers in the hope of getting a 10 minute go when he was in the loo. My family got an Amiga 600 eventually and I finally got to buy the game and explore the managerial modes, update my teams and pull off that amazing long range punt by pulling back on the joystick. It's amazing how much gameplay variety the game had considering it used just one button with a combination of eight directions. I recall still only just getting the hang of diving headers six months into owning it. We played it for many years until ISS Pro Evolution on PS1 took its crown, buying Amiga Power each August for the disc with the next season's official team names on it, and I never got bored of it or its silly, hilarious theme tune. I've never played it since as my Amiga disc drive broke, and also as I fear it had only tarnished my memories. But it was a title that reminds me of a long summer, laughter-filled days when games were a whole lot more irreverent. Now, we have a slightly different experience here, and I'm very grateful for this uh, from Andy Corrigan via email to podcast at canarince.com. This is somebody who has only come to Sensible in recent times. And so this might be worth listening if you're one of those people who missed this game at the time, because your experience may match or it may not. But Andy says, despite being fully aware of its popularity, I was never able to play Sensible Soccer in my youth as I never had an Amiga nor a PC able to run it. Weirdly, I reckon that even if I had the means, I probably would have passed on it as I used to have an incredibly blasé attitude to the idea of virtual football for such a huge fan of the real sport. FIFA 96 on the PS1 was the first football game that I ever really got invested in. And since I've been switching between Konami's Pez and FIFA as yearly quality dictates with Football Manager to scratch my remaining footy itches. So when an updated version of Sensible World of Soccer was announced for Xbox Live in 2007, I saw it as an opportunity to fill a gap in both my football and gaming fandoms. I had perfect ideas that its apparent quick pace and one-button mechanics would make it the perfect option for quick blasts of football goodness when I couldn't be asked with the depth of newer games. Unfortunately, probably due to being accustomed to all the mod cons, playing styles and depth of those newer games, it has never been a match made in heaven. Despite countless attempts over the years, I just cannot get on with it. My first major gripe is the seemingly random nature in which the players lose control of the ball. I'll be bombing forward, looking to cut inside to shoot or outside to cross. When I make that movement, my player often leaves the ball behind and it continues alone on its original trajectory, either running out of play or going harmlessly straight to the goalie. Sometimes the player will keep the ball exactly as I want, but I've never been able to determine, in spite of much experimentation, why it works sometimes and sometimes not, even with the best players. It happens way too often to be enjoyable. I also find that playing a passing game is almost impossible thanks to the sheer speed of gameplay and the impeccable accuracy required to latch onto the ball. This combo leaving me running in circles around loose balls never quite able to connect in my player's stride. These two things are nearly always the reasons my attacks break down. I'm sure for many, these sorts of situations will boil down to a lack of skill on my part, and I'm certain that's entirely true. If I'd have had experience with the game in its heyday, and not in 2007 after playing more realistic or technologically advanced sports sims, then I may not feel the way I do. 
That said, I'm generally not one to shy away from a challenge. So why Swass frustrates and infuriates me to the point of quitting while countless other games keep me engaged by a desire to improve? I have no answer. Despite the number of times it has made me rage quit, however, there is a lot I do like about SWAS. The aftertouch mechanic, for example, is wonderfully implemented and feels way ahead of its time, meaning that even someone as shit as me can still hit spectacular curling strikes from umpteen yards out and it not be a fluke or as a result of a cheap sweet spot. Away from controlling players itself, I have also found much joy in playing SWAS as a hands-off 90s flashback management sim, as the match engine does make for entertaining viewing, and it's certainly got the depth in leagues behind it to bolster that. Finally, of course, it has charm in abundance, with its simplistic art style and a brilliantly catchy soundtrack in Goalscoring Superstar Hero, which always sticks in my head for hours after playing it. Here's the thing. There must be something about it that grabs me, as without fail I return to it at least few times each year in the hope that this time, this time will be the one where it finally sticks. A few days later, I always resign myself to failure. Unfortunately, I think it's destined to be one of those that while I can absolutely see why everyone has such fond memories of it and completely respect its importance, I like the idea of loving it more than the reality. I think you just really had to be there. Alex 79 UK the first time I played Sensible Soccer was on the Sega Mega Drive at a friend's house. After initially being somewhat underwhelmed by the graphics of the game, it was almost immediately obvious once we started playing just how brilliant it was. After spending an afternoon with it, I took the bus into town and bought it that same day. My brother and I didn't always see eye to eye or have much to do with each other when we were growing up, but playing video games was one of the few activities we'd do together. We'd always enjoyed football games, kick off on the Amstrad to World Cup Soccer on the Sega Master System and FIFA International on the Mega Drive, but Sensible Soccer was the one we played far, far more than any other. We'd sit and play it for hours, entire seasons, tournaments, we'd keep tallies of who'd won the most games, which players scored the most goals. We'd spend ages editing all the names of the players, he'd more often than not name his squad after the entire current Liverpool team waiting for a boo or something hiss and i usually <laughs> name mine after band members of iron maiden or guns and roses boo. <laughs> <laughs> the in-game music of the snes version is practically burned into my brain i can recall it perfectly now even 20 years later one thing that i didn't realize whilst playing the console versions is that the controls had a kind of easy mode built into them pressing c did a direct pass and a delivered a shot on target it was only when using just the B button that you had the true one-button original control scheme, something which made sure I got my ass well and truly whipped when playing on my friend's Amiga later on. When they announced the remake for Xbox 360 a few years back, I was really excited for it. My memory is a little hazy, but I'm sure the release date kept getting delayed. But when they finally got it out, I bought it straight away. Didn't even bother with a trial. But it just didn't seem the same. I don't know why. It looked great. It controlled pretty much exactly the same. But I've just never really spent any time with it after that first couple of days. And conversely, I still fire up the original on an emulator from time to time. Maybe it was the widescreen visuals or the high definition of it all that really put me off. I couldn't say, although I know there's an option in there to have the original graphics. Overall, Sensible Soccer is definitely one of my favourite games. It's up there as one of the true greats, not only of that generation, but of all time. It had a charm and simplicity that's been lost in games over the years and holds a special place in my gaming heart. Thank you, everybody, including Alex there at the end. And also thank you to our at Kane and Rince Twitter three-word reviewers, CJ. Uh, Andy Corrigan says, Loose balls galore. Richard Atwood says, Ice, halfway lob. 
Flabio says, Cover Disc Champions. Blunty Hoven says, Never Fully Mastered. Ian Stephen says, Fantastical Diving Headers. Uh, Paul Fillery and Alan Wilkinson both said, The Beautiful Game. Indeed, and why not? Thank you, everybody, as always. Uh, now we must try to sum up, uh, in the usual way, uh, both collecting our uh, nostalgia and fondness uh, for this game. Obviously, that's why we're all on this show. There's there's not really a dissenting voice. We've had some, some of that in our feedback there. But also, um, coming down to the fact that would we recommend people actually pick this up at this point in 2015 on Xbox Live Arcade or Good Old Games? Hmm. Darren. Yeah, having played the 360 version recently, I would recommend picking up Sensible World of Soccer on the 360. I don't know if it ever made it to another format or, well, you say it's good old games, but I mean like another console format, I'm not no, too it didn't. sure. No, no, it didn't. Hmm, that's a bit of a shame. Uh, but yeah, because, you know, the games are three minutes uh, long, but they feel like ten seconds because of the sheer amount of drama that happens on, on the pitch at any one time. And it might only be like a one-nil game, but that's the sign of a great football game, is that you can have so much tension, fun and excitement and drama from a game that only consists of one goal, you know. Um, the, the, the game reminds me, as I said earlier, I, I hate to repeat myself at the, at the fear of wasting time, but it reminds me of why I like sports games you know, and even though they're called sports games, I, I shouldn't segregate the whole lot of sports games into a into a little pocket that I don't enjoy. There are games from all sports that I like if they're done right for my taste. And sensible soccer is definitely done for my tastes. You know, I can press one button and I can pass shoot and do all sorts of crazy things with the players. Much like Punch Out, you know, it's, it's a boxing game. I'm not really into boxing, but the way that game works is is the way I like it. It's accessible, but once you get into it, you can find the minutiae and sort of perfect it. And I think that's the one thing I'm going to take away from Sense Border Soccer recently is that it's kind of reignited my love for arcadey sports games. So yeah, I had a great time playing Sensible Soccer and we're going to have a an actual, like, hopefully 10 people coming around my house next weekend and having a tournament. Oh, that sounds so amazing. That's, yeah, it's going to be great. We're all going to pick a team and go through it and, you know, just... Uh, just you know, do all sorts of Fantastic. stupid things that you do with you know people around you playing football games from you know from your heyday, and that's probably the biggest recommendation I can give. Sensible soccer is that I've actually phoned people up and gone, "Did you like sensible soccer back in the day?" And he's like, "Yeah, of course I did." Like, you want to come around and play a tournament with loads of us? And <laughs> he's like, "Yep, sign me up." So now we've got like a little, like it's actually kind of we're kind of regressing back to being like you know teenagers or kids again, where we're like we've got like a well I know I'm going to have like a graph thing going on about who's coming and you know what team they're going to be and it's all just going to be penned out and it's all just going to be proper 90s again but you know the game still stands up and yes I would recommend playing it again even though it's not perfect and you know greasy feet is a problem (laughs) and you know the lack of bald players is a problem and you know (laughs) there are there are a few quirks that bug me about the game but like there's like when, when you hack a player down in sensible soccer, like oh, I can't help just get so excited about just the little animation, kind of like sp- uh, speedball when the um, the ambulance comes and stuff like that. Like there's a lot of parallels in my head with uh, speedball two and sensible soccer, and the fact that I play them every year. It might not be a lot, of, you know, a, a great time every year, but I do play them every year, and that's a true testament of quality. Lovely stuff. Thanks, Darren. Hmm. Over to Carl. I would recommend someone pick it up on emulation or a traditional version of um, 
the the updated version of Center World of Soccer, the first update, um, which which is where I most fondly remember it and where I've had uh, all the best times playing it. Um, it, it. It's not always the easiest game to play. I think Andy uh, summed it up rather well in his in his uh, opinion piece where. There are so many frustrations, but yet there's still that little something about Sensi that makes you want to come back. Um, it, it, it's it's you know like supporting any team that's going through a bad period in in, in real life. Really, you, you still sort of love it, even though you know it can treat you bad every weekend. And for me, I think Sensible Soccer just has that charm where uh, you you you're willing to come back. And and at that period of time, Lord knows, I played a lot of football games from you know Microprose and Kickoff uh, on consoles. Goal um, was was another one I hugely played, and, and there were many many more in the arcade from the the, the Tecmo games uh, through their different styles from the side ons, top downs, um, and and more. And there was always something that Sensi had that the others never. Um, I don't necessarily think it was more pick up and play. I thought. It, it, it's one of those finite things that you just can't quite put your finger on for me. Um, that, that that sensible soccer maybe just had that little bit more charm than the others. Um, that, that that challenge of playing with friends and getting one over always felt a little bit more rich on on Sensi than it did on something like Kickoff. Uh, that combined with the fact that if you wanted to, it you could go in with friends and edit databases, build teams, sign players. Um, that you know, the, the, these for anyone who sort of missed this era of gaming or, or uh, younger than us, and and that wasn't really it. And it seems such a little thing for us to mention because FIFA does it, Pro Evo does it. You know, we've got the Champ Man games of you know, come on strength to strength from that time through to the football manager games now, which are sublime. And all of this is pretty standard fare, but in, in, in Sensi, it, it really felt like it was the core fundamental of that game that kept me coming back, you know, day upon day, week upon week, month after month. And, um, you know, we mentioned, and Leon's mentioned in this thing, that, that perhaps memories are always, you know, you always look through them rose-tinted. And, and, that may be the case with with Swass, but I would still recommend picking up and seeing where that that the the cause of pure football gaming um, were, which which in, in the early nineties the, the kickoffs and the and the sensible uh, and the Swass were were so undeniably pure in their approach to playing the game and and you know people who didn't necessarily like love football um you know like like myself leon and cj absolutely love our football darren doesn't love it to the same degree but he loves playing swass and i think that tells you all you need to know about the standard that of this of this game it is fun even if that is not something that you naturally lean towards as a genre so uh, f- for that and the fact that you can just pick it up on one button, one button and a stick, you know, everyone can understand that, but mastering it, <laughs> I don't think any of us have or ever will. Um, but there's there's still that little bit of fun and challenge in trying. So I absolutely, I did not get on too much with the Xbox 360 version. You know, I, I can still see it plays a good game, but uh, um, as 
Alex mentioned in, in, in his feed, feedback, for example, there was something, maybe it was the widescreen, maybe it was the HD, that I found terrifically off-putting. But if you can get your hands on the 94, 95, 96 releases era of, of Sensible World of Soccer, then I would absolutely give that one a go because uh, it's just so much fun. You can just play the Amiga graphics on the Xbox version. Yeah, but it was it, there was just something about the way that that game played, uh, the speed or something like that. I, I just did, there was something didn't quite feel right about the Xbox 360 version for me. And I'm a purist, Leon. Let me be pure. <laughs> Play the Amiga version. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, well, um, I absolutely adored Sensible Soccer, Sensi and Swass. I played uh, the Dickens out of. Uh, various versions of it on the Amiga from the the day the first one came out and and it's uh, and the disappointment that I talked about earlier from uh, all the way through to the 96 97 version that was um my main football game just as Emlyn and Kickoff was before it and uh, ISS and Pro Evo and FIFA uh, after but just as uh those games before it were kind of replaced in my affections and my my football gaming time so was Sensi and uh, I had at least as much fun on the many many games of Winning Eleven and Pro Evo that I played and uh, and more recently with FIFA with different friends and different times and things like that unlike CJ my imagination is absolutely inspired by the modern football games I love them just as much as I've always loved football games um I enjoy playing Sensi now. I've been playing some of it on 360, and uh, and it is a good version. I play it with the Amiga graphics on. I think it's 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 a it's a decent port. Although I think there is that issue with it playing faster than Amiga gamers will remember, and I think that's what put a lot of people off. It can get frustrating, um, you know, constantly getting caught in possession, you know, after just seconds after you've had the ball or or the ball running away from your feet, um, and. I, you know, I did have, I have had some good sessions exactly as, as CJ describes. I, I was playing while listening to Brighton playing away at Huddersfield on Tuesday night on the radio. And um, it was both, you know, it was both contemporary and nostalgic at the same time. Um, and I was absolutely pumping my fist when I scored and getting frustrated when I conceded and enjoying dabbling in the transfer market. And, and I'm really glad that that version of that game exists. And I love the fact that it will, you know, it will live on my Xbox 360 hard drive. But ultimately, I don't think I would recommend people go and play this now um, in any format, really. Uh, I think it's got a lot of a lot of the flaws that people don't think it's got that modern games have. It's got them all in abundance, actually. Um, control issues and 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 sort of, um, you know, quirks and foibles and only only it's you know as much as it uses one button which is accessible it's inaccessible in a whole load of other ways i think um just just in its age as much as anything so uh love it to pieces i had a t-shirt about 10 years ago i think darren had the same t-shirt from joystick junkies with sensible 11 on the back and a little picture on the front i wore it until it fell apart i'd love another one uh, maybe in a slightly larger size now but um yeah love sensi but don't recommend that people start trying to play it now no uh, let's conclude with our guest, CJ. Um, I still find Sensible World of Soccer um, wonderfully approachable, uh, accessible. Uh, even if you don't like football or if you don't know all the ins and outs of football, you can play it and love it. I mean, the same way as, as Darren was saying, you can sit loads of people around a telly and they can just get into it. And you've got that sense of that that sense of community, but nobody feeling that they've got to 
uh, master a number of buttons, or you can just sit down and have a laugh, and it doesn't matter if you if you how much you get of it or how much you don't. It's a um, it's a wonderful game to to just be around. Uh, beyond that, I think there's uh, there's compulsive management. There's what every every league in the world more or less in there. Um, it is a classic. I keep pretty coming much. Back. Yeah, it is a classic. I keep coming back to. Uh, I'm still playing the the 360 version. Still lose myself in the drama and the soap opera, the ridiculous moments, and uh, it still encapsulates through those exactly why I I, I love football and why I've loved uh, playing football, whether it be in the park or Sabutio or those first days with um, with Commodore 64 or the ST and the Amiga and. Yeah, I, that, I think that's that's one of the reasons that um, I keep coming back to it. Um, it is probably my most played game of all time, uh, and I'd love to see a modern day iteration of it, and still keep keeping my fingers crossed for that. I guess. And thank you, and that's why we had you on the show. Uh, brilliant stuff. Just remains for me, Leon, to thank Darren, Carl, and CJ. And to tell you the next time in issue 192, look behind you, a three-headed monkey. It's our Secret of Monkey Island podcast. Mm-hmm.